0: Welcome back into the Game 7 Show. It is January 3rd, 2020. It is the Game 7 Show. Will Sattler, Isaac you live from Met Radio. The student voice of MSU Denver. 2020, man. Can you believe it? Denver, episode Colorado. Episode 50. Sunny Denver, Colorado. Episode 50. I can't believe we're
1: already it's on episode I It's not Friday. I can't believe we're already on our 50th episode.
0: It's a lot of episodes.
1: That's crazy. Thing, how long have we been on like Apple and Spotify? Like at least twenty episodes or so now. Something like that. Definitely drop a follow or subscribe there. Plug. Wow, I can't believe it's been fifty episodes, and I think our fiftieth one is the biggest one yet, with everything that we're going to talk about. Season four. Yeah. Season four. Yeah. Episode one of season four. That's crazy. We started this podcast back in February 2019, and here we are, January 2020. 50 episodes in. We've heard pretty much everything from us. We started off as like a Rockies podcast because it was February and we were talking Rockies baseball. We started off with a lot of Rockies baseball, moved into some some Nuggets takes as they were, they went into the playoffs. Crazy. Crazy to think we're already here. Crazy, man. Crazy. And now we're going to be full circle today talking about Nolan Arenado and the Rockies Is Nolan getting traded? We're going to talk about the Avalanche How their ceiling is the Stanley Cup
0: It's their that floor too
1: their, Yeah, exactly Nuggets finally found their recipe to, to success last night Against the Pacers We'll get into that
0: Thank Everything
1: you. is coming full circle finally Even the Broncos found the quarterback in Drew Locke He puts on for his city, man Exactly, man Puts on for his city uh, this show is brought to you by Met Radio. Met Radio is the student voice of MSU Denver. Uh, Met Radio plays a small part in Met Media. Met Media is this, um, the, the student media association here at MSU Denver, where it has the, the TV, the newspaper, the radio, the magazine, and it's all brought to you by students of the university. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. We also post a full-length video clip of this podcast on YouTube. You can find that. Um, this show is also brought to you with the help of Rebel Promotions. Rebel Promotions is a full service marketing firm that provides creative marketing solutions and support to Denver metro area businesses, organizations, and nonprofits. They specialize in strategies and campaigns that differentiate organizations and disrupt their industries. Their services include a combination of marketing strategies. Campaigns, social media marketing, design, production of print materials, promotional items, paired with effective campaigns, branding, eye-catching apparel, and much more. You can go to rebelpromos.com or you can contact Kendra Fernandez at 303-650-7418. Again, that's 303-650-7418. Episode 50, man. Episode 50. I'm glad you know how to count. Nolan Arenado getting traded. Avalanche Ceiling is a Stanley Cup. Nuggets finally finding their recipes to success. We're going to make some takes today. If you don't like our takes, you can email us, game7show at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Game7Show, YouTube, Game7Show, and on Twitter is where we're most active. You can follow us at underscore Game7, or you can follow Will at Will underscore Sattler or myself at Isaac underscore Bugarin. Let's get into it, man. Today in sports history, man. Today in sports history. Um, January 3rd has actually been a, a pretty busy day in terms of uh um, what's gone on in the sports world 1939 get this one um MLB catcher and all-time great Roy Campanella
0: was 18 years old when he weds Bernice Ray you got something about like marriages on day in history or what yeah I do my research is this a sign bro is this a
1: sign no no no, I do I do my research man I do my research in 1977 AJ Burnett was born in North Little Rock Arkansas you remember AJ Burnett oh yeah oh yeah I remember he's got that long stride when he pitches. That's what I remember most about him. He's got like a super long stride. So instead of pitching from 60 feet, six inches, after the stride, it pretty much makes it like 49 feet or 59 feet.
0: I was going to say that's a long stride, <laughs> 10 feet.
1: <laughs> uh, so get this one. This, this is probably one of my favorite ones yet. In 1980, David Tyree was born in Livingston, New Jersey. A year later, the quarterback that made that great, the, that made the great throw to him in, uh, in the Super Bowl in 2007, was it? Um, Eli Manning was born in New Orleans. So Eli Manning
0: and David Tyree born on the same day a year apart. Where did David Tyree... Where was he an executive at? Uh, honestly, I couldn't tell you. Damn. I
1: couldn't tell you. But I know he was a wide receiver, and it says he was an executive, but I'm not exactly sure where. Do you remember that play that they made in the Super Bowl to, get to beat Tom
0: Brady, the undefeated Patriots? I don't think anybody can forget that play. That was the play of the century so far i think you could say in a super bowl other than philly philly was probably up there yeah that, that was fun. probably that was a really big play also but like that was easy he just kind of caught that wide open versus like david tyree but it's, it's more than just the catch from david tyree it's, it's eli manny getting out of the pocket to and breaking the tackle yeah you know? to,
1: to um, letting loose of the entire grip that the patriots defense had on him I think that's what's crazy. Indeed, indeed. So they were born a year apart. 1991, Wayne Gretzky scores his 700th goal against the New York Islanders. Um, how many goals away is Kale McCarr from 700? 670, I think. <laughs> well, Kale McCarr's got uh, he, does, to he doesn't have 30 goals this year. I'm sorry. <laughs> K- Kale McCarr is on his way to get to 700. In 2002, this is one of my favorites. This is the fourth BCS National Championship, 88th Throws Bowl. Number one, Miami, beats number two, Nebraska, 37-14 to 14 in Pasadena. The U, man. It's the last time they were good. The Same U. thing
0: with Nebraska. <laughs> last last time, time both
1: teams were relevant? Yeah, that's true. So that's, that's January 3rd in sports history. We got Roy Campanella getting married, A.J. Burnett, David Tyree, Eli Manning all having birthdays, Wayne Gretzky scoring a 700th goal, and the fourth BCS National Championship where we
0: see Nebraska lose to Miami. It's crazy to think two thousand two they're all like if you that's crazy. It's a long time ago. Eighteen years. Yep. That's eighteen whole, years. That's a whole child right there. Eighteen years. Legal child. Exactly.
1: Not really a child anymore. Exactly. An adult. It's an adult. Eighteen years old makes you an adult, right? Yeah. You just actually you can't really buy anything at eighteen, but you can go serve your country.
0: Don't don't get it political now.
1: <laughs> no, I just like you can't really do too much at, for as much as they say. Like you're legal at 18, you can't really do much.
0: True. You be, you just become an adult. Yeah. You just don't get any of those rights until you turn. Around. I mean, that is pretty. That's interesting. Huh? Maybe. They I guess I never really thought that. about
1: it. Yeah, I, I've never really thought about it until just now. Until we we just talked about it.
0: And then they could require schooling until you're 21. Could you imagine if they did that? Well, it'd make America probably a lot smarter. You think so? And it create jobs and colleges and. Could it create more debt though? Because like, if you gotta be going to school until you're twenty-one. But it would be paid for. Uh, Schooling's paid for. There's no no debt involved. I guess that makes sense.
1: Huh.
0: Interesting. Yeah, maybe you should run for president.
1: Isaac Bagherian for president. Twenty twenty thirty-six.
0: Is there an election that year? Sixteen years.
1: There's got to be an election.
0: That is that is true. It would be. Four presidents for now, or two, depending on how that works. Or I'd three. Be,
1: what? Thirty.
0: Thirty. S- oh, well, I would be thirty-six.
1: I'd be th- so thirty-seven-ish. Yeah. Thirty-eight. I don't know. I'm not a math major, sport management major. I do a podcast. I don't really do too much math. Yeah. But I do know Nolan Arenado, according to John Morosi, I'm um, Nolan Arenado has a 50-50 shot at being traded. All right. What are you, What are your initial thoughts on just hearing? that number 50 50 chance of nolan being traded it's just
0: been interesting this this entire off season. you really haven't heard much from nolan in the rockies you've really heard it from just outside sources yeah so how much say does it really have i mean he's 29 years old he came off a down year statistically for nolan and so and yeah, the it, rockies were bad but it's just 50 50 is i think it's headline grabbing at this point
1: And it's crazy to think, if you want to consider what what Nolan had last year, statistically, if he said it was a bad year, it was 41 home runs, 118 RBIs, and he slashed 315, 379, 583. Those are
0: still really good numbers. And he won a platinum glove.
1: Yeah, a platinum Gold for the third straight year. Yeah, it it just... This man's a goddamn machine.
0: I I think this just been a very quiet offseason. And with all the speculation around the MLB, with the Astros and the baseball... I think they're just... They're grasping at straws is what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah.
1: It sounds like they're trying to make headlines out of thin air. And so they, John Morosi, grabs his 50-50 number, and I just don't understand it at all. Because I don't believe...
0: I don't believe Nolan
1: Arenado is being traded. I don't believe it personally.
0: I mean, try to think. like When was the last time there was a blockbuster trade like this in Major League Baseball? It just doesn't happen.
1: It doesn't happen. Not when you sign the guy. to an eight-year extension, and then a year into to, into the, the this massive two hundred uh, plus million-dollar contract, you're already looking at trading him.
0: Well, and and so when he signed the contract, if like, a year ago in February, we we looked at it and we saw the eight-year contract. We saw the huge number, but we saw the opt-out in two years, and we looked at it as if eh, he's gonna stay. We're gonna be good. We won't have to worry about it in two years. It was one of those things like we saw it and we we're like maybe maybe it'll be a problem but i'm not worried about it right now and now it's become a big thing because there would be no talk about trading him if his opt-out wasn't in two years exactly if they had him under contract for eight years or even five years f- for that sake there and would be no no conversation and, and i get it i i understand you want to be competitive and that means maybe trading your best player
1: and, and to be clear nolan arenado wasn't the one that wanted the opt-out it was jeff brydish that really pushed for this opt-out to be in the in the contract. So Jeff Bridges essentially created this situation for himself by being so insistent on adding this this opt out in three three years into his contract. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. You so, know, he's a, he's a generational player and I get, you know, Nolan is a great player and the, stat, the the stats prove it. Um so he he would make a lot of teams really 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 good. So it makes sense for teams to call and and call Jeff Bridgich and the Rockies and say, hey, what's asking price on Nolan Arenado? He's a great player, you know. And Jeff Breidich and the Rockies have to answer the phone because they, quite honestly, they'd be, they would be silly not to answer the phone and at least listen to what teams have to offer.
0: No, absolutely, and I think that is what's going on right now. Is teams are like, hey, what is he available? No, but we'll listen to what you got. Well, here's our top four prospects and three major league player ready, major league ready players. Yeah, exactly. You want to do this? Well, not now, but maybe come closer to the trade deadline. And to be honest, it may be smart if the Rockies are planning on trading this, man. They should wait until the trade deadline. They're going to get more out of it. Yeah, 100%. The longer they wait.
1: But he, he, you also have to keep in mind, Nolan Arenado has a full no trade clause. So he can veto any trade that he's involved in. So if he doesn't want to go play for the Texas Rangers, the Chicago White Sox, he won't. He could He could quite honestly say, I want to be a Rocky for the rest of my life, and I'm staying. And any trade that you have in, that involves me, doesn't even matter because I'm just going to stay and I'm going to write out this contract.
0: And it's almost been good that he stayed out of headlines and he stayed quiet this offseason with all this because it's not creating that added controversy. The truth is, is if you look at this offseason for the Rockies, it feels a lot like the Broncos did three years ago. Yeah. They feel like that they have the talent and they're going to be a mediocre team. And you said it time and time again, what have they done this offseason? They've stayed the same, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But they needed players to have career years to get to what they did in 2018. And we'll talk about this later with the Avalanche about career years. But you have to win when your players are having career years. You have to. And they didn't do that. And last year, David Dahl had a career year. Is he going to be able to produce like that again?
1: Probably not. Coming off an injury? John
0: Gray, is he going to perform like that again? Coming off an energy Again, probably not. So, yes, there was some things like Kyle Freeland's injury and finding consistency at first base with Daniel Murphy. Like, th- that makes sense. That will bounce back. But, I <laughs> They feel very mediocre right now, and I would not be surprised if this doesn't come up again come trade deadline. So if the Rockets
1: aren't going to win with Nolan Arenado, why not trade him? You know, wh- why why are you going to waste $270 million on Nolan Arenado when you can just pack his bags and, and ship him off to a, a team that's contending right now? Nolan it makes Nolan Arenado happy, and he wants to win right now and wants to, wants to contend for a title, and then you still have another – Four to eight years of rebuild. Or four to eight years of financial flexibility or so. Why not trade?
0: It's just the truth is there's not a package out there that would really meet the expectations. And the the truth behind that is there's never going to be a fair trade. That never happens. There's always yeah. one team that gets the better package. Yep. And the Rockies would not be smart to deal anybody right now because, like, say a package to the Dodgers for Gavin Lux, Dustin May, and Tony Gosselin— that's never gonna happen, especially not this off season maybe come July for the trade design but it it's not gonna happen right now
1: and and I'll tell you well one trading within the division is always really tough, let alone trading him to the dodgers um a team that's won the the n l west or basically for the last eight years seven years um that idea is
0: it realistically is not gonna happen um agreed but, but they have the best set of prospects so if you want to get the biggest return you may have to overstep that boundary
1: okay that that's fair so so okay but there's going to be let's let's say we do go about trading nolan Arenado. Let, let's just talk if we do trade him um one the fan base turns completely against jeff bryant and the rocks yeah. you're trading your your fan favorite nolan Arenado. um you're you're trading a generational type player you're trading the best player in Rockies franchise history essentially because there's nobody better than Nolan Arenado.
0: I don't care what anybody says. Nolan Arenado is the, the greatest Rocky to ever play. I mean, if he pops up on a Hall of Fame ballot, is he going to last as long as Larry Walker and Todd Helton?
1: He's not going to be 10 years. Uh, actually, if, if he gets traded, um, I bet he does. Just because they're going to always compare his numbers from when he was 22 to 29 at Coors Field. They're going to have an asterisk next to those stats, and they're going to say, well, he played at Coors Field, so we kind of have to take away those seven years that he played there. That's what they're going to say. But then they're going to say, oh, but he, he went and played in on the south side of Chicago for, for another eight to nine years, and he put up decent numbers. So really, was he all that good of a player? And they're, that's exactly what the conversation is going to be, because that's exactly what the conversation is right now with Larry Walker. They're saying he played seven years in his career at Chrisfield, and look at his numbers and how inflated they are as home road splits during that time in his career that it was just too much to, to vote for. And they're going to say the same thing about Nolan Arenado because they're going to – they're gonna say. It's not about his his glove; it's about his offensive statistics. He should be should he be a Hall of Famer based on his defensive metrics alone? Probably yes. I mean, can you win seven straight Gold Gloves, three Platinum Gloves by the time you're twenty nine years old? Yeah. You know, and not be included on the hall in the Hall of Fame. So,
0: it's just the Rockies need to play off emotion here, and we always say never use emotion in business. But the, the reality is is they are not going to get what they need, what they want, unless they have a team that is on the border and they want to make a move. Like, they, they feel the urgency to make a move. And that comes down to teams like the Rangers and the White Sox, right? They feel like they need to win now with their core. So they would be willing to give up some of their prospects, their best prospects, because they feel like they have to win now there's no urgency for a team like the Nationals or the Braves to go get Nolan Arenado, at least not today, not this offseason. Maybe maybe come July. So this is, if you're a Rockies fan, if you're a bit Nolan Arenado fan, a baseball fan, you really shouldn't put any emphasis on any of these rumors, the 50-50. It's not that case right now. They, the Rockies wouldn't, there's no reason for them to do that, and there's no reason for anybody to make a move in January. You
1: hope not. You hope that that's what the Rockies feel, but if they get blown away by an offer, and Jeff Bridish feels like he can sell it to the fan base of where we are being again financial, we, we will have the financial flexibility to be um, competitive for the next eight years, as opposed to the, just the ne- the next four. If that's the way Jeff Bridish decides to sell it to the fan base, so if Jeff Bridish comes out and says, "Hey, we're going to trade Nolan Arenado, we're going to get all these three, four different top ten prospects, and we're going to get Josh Donaldson." Can you sell that to the fan base? Can you sell signing Josh Donaldson and trading Nolan Arenado for different prospects here and there? Can you sell that to the fan base?
0: No, you're you're absolutely right. He, it's a big decision between having to decide between the fans and your future of your baseball club. And if there's anything we learned from Jeff Breidich, he really doesn't care about the fans.
1: 100%. And I think realistic okay, me um knowing what I know about the team, you know, the average baseball fan, an average fan would not be happy about any Nolan Arenado trade. But for me personally, if you if if I was the um the manager, I would I would honestly understand trading Nolan Arenado for a group of 3 to 4 of it's got to be top prospects obviously. You can't be getting a 30-ranked prospect and a 75-ranked rank um prospect you got to for me to justify it to me one you need th- at least three top 10 you need one prospects. of the to- you
0: need one of the top 5 prospects in all of baseball
1: yeah well so that, that that's a given and one of those top top 10 prospects from a team has to be a top 5 in all of baseball but you also got to look at uh, at least one maybe even two major league ready players or players that have already played in the big leagues yeah so you also got to look at that um and, and and so when you when you take down that list Really, there's not a lot of teams that that have those pieces um, that are, one, available to be traded, um, two, on teams that are looking for a solid third baseman, a generational-type third baseman that can um, compete for a World Series. So ideally, you're only looking at about five different teams of which you can actually trade Nolan Arenado to. And and not even to say all five of those teams will even be willing to part ways with their top prospects. The, the biggest one that I've heard is Nolan Arenado to the Atlanta Braves, and actually I've heard it was a Nolan Arenado plus Charlie Blackman. Can you imagine just how 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 bad Jeff Bridish would be seen in Denver if he trades not one of the greatest
0: Rockies of all time, but two, two yeah, but, of the fan favorites. But it probably would be a decision better for the club. I mean, honestly, it would. The the crazy thing is we sit here today. It's January third. And when we first sat down on the podcast, we were talking about how the Broncos were in the tank. The Avs and the Nuggets were fighting for, you know, playoff contention. The the, the Avs were horrible at the time. But they were fighting back. The Nuggets were getting through the dog days of the NBA season, getting through the All-Star game. And we sat there and said the Rockies are the best team in Colorado right now. And now come January 3rd, you can make an argument that they are the worst team in Colorado now. You, you can honestly make the argument that they're the worst team in Colorado right now. I mean, Nuggets and Avs are one and two. Whichever way you want to put them, flip-flop them, that's an argument for another day. The Broncos are probably— They've a- won four of their last five games,
1: and Drew Locke seems to be the, the answer for the future.
0: <laughs> and they have a defense that they figured out. They, they have a number one receiver. They have cap space. They have— so you, you could 100 picks. Yeah, you could 100% make the argument that the Rockies are the worst team in Denver right now.
1: You could 100% make that argument. Yeah. So if you're if you're looking to trade Nolan Arenado to the Braves, there, there's a few different prospects that you that you're looking at really um the the pro of trading Nolan Arenado to the Braves is that the Braves have a absolutely loaded farm system with young players, a bunch of elite prospects that they could send to Colorado.
0: Well, and, and here's the thing. If the Braves trade for Nolan Arenado, they automatically become the favorite from the the NL, 100%. without a doubt. Like,
1: Yep, they are 100% the favorite if they can trade for Nolan Arenado. Which, they, they risk, the next again, the next eight to, to ten years of their franchise if they don't win at all.
0: But is that a risk
1: that the Braves are willing to take? Yeah,
0: I bet they are. But the other point to make is on January 3rd, is it a risk they're willing to take? No, but uh, come July 21st, yeah. there may be a, a risk. So, But, but uh, a con to trading Nolan Arenado to the Braves is that you the Rockies have to
1: pay a lot more of Nolan's salary than they would ideally like because they would get such a big return from the Braves because the Braves aren't willing to, to eat all $270 million of, of Nolan Arenado's contract. So the Rockies have to cover, I would honestly say they probably have to cover at least half of it, at least half of, uh, of Nolan Arenado's contract. Um, but a couple of the, the prospects that the Braves would, would probably send to Nolan Arenado or send to the Rockies. <laughs> um, one is, is Christian Pash. Christian Pash is an outfielder for the Braves, probably going to make his MLB debut in, in 2020 sometime. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the opening day roster for the Braves if he's not traded. Um, Christian Pasch would, would definitely fit in with the Rockies because the Rockies need a center fielder. We do not have the ideal center fielder in David Dahl. Because David Dahl has too strong of an arm, and he's too fast to play center field. You might as well, I've, I've said it time and time again, that David Dahl is a right fielder. David Dahl has the strongest arm in, in all of, of the Rockies outfielders, and he can make that long throw to third base, long throw to second base, and long throw to home. So there's no reason of keeping him in the left field where he's got the shortest throw to second, shortest throw to third, and shortest throw to home. It makes sense to put David Dahl in right field. And if you can get a a, a guy like Christian Pash and and sign Josh Donaldson, now all of a sudden you're looking at at a very good left side of the infield still in Josh Donaldson and and Trevor Story. You keep David Dahl, who's going to play right field. You have Christian Pash, who can play center. You still have Sam Hilliard. I've never been a fan of Ramil Tapia, so that's a guy that that you could let go of too. Um, So Christian Pash would be a a, a definite... um, center fielder that, that's included into this Rockies package if you're going to trade Nolan Arenado to the Braves. Another guy that the Rockies should be looking at is Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson's a right-hand pitcher. Again, going to make his debut in 2020. This kid throws absolute smoke. 21 years old, 6'3", 170. Absolutely going to throw smoke for a for, for, uh, uh, pitching staff that needs the help. And then the other prospect that the Rockies would be getting from the Braves, ideally, is William Contreras. William Contreras is a catcher. And, obviously, the Rockies do need help behind the plate with, um, with Tony Walters. William Contreras is also the little brother of, you guessed it, Wilson Contreras. So, I feel like just it just runs in in, in the family. <laughs> Christian Pash is, is the number one prospect for the Braves. Ian Anderson is the number three prospect for the Braves. And, William Contreras is the number eight prospect for the Braves. So, you're getting three top prospects. Three of the top ten.
0: Here's another point to make here. All these trades don't happen if and in general the Rockies trust this trade for Nolan trade of Nolan Arenado depends 100% on how much they trust Brendan Rodgers to become to improve 100% because yes you can go sign a Josh Donaldson for 2 3 years but it's not going to make you competitive for the future they can they have replacements it's and you're never going to replace Nolan Arenado yeah but If they were to trade him and get an outfielder, a catcher, and a relief pitcher, it's very true that they could have Brendan Rodgers play second or third. They could have Ryan McMahon play second or third. Trevor Story stays it short. You have Josh Fuentes. We've talked about that. We've talked about Garrett Hampson. Colton Welker. Colton Welker is another name that comes up. So they have people that can fill that spot. It's not like – I mean, obviously Nolan, is a he adds wins to this team, right? His his war is out of the world, but – will the Rockies lose that much by trading him is the other question and i think that comes down to the trade deadline it just seems way too early and i and then maybe that's where the 50-50 chance comes from
1: but uh, okay so let let's say the Rockies do trade Nolan Arenado now you have the, the Rockies would have the cap space to keep Trevor Story that the question of keeping Trevor Story or or David Dahl or, or Kyle Freeland or or um, any of these top top players immediately becomes be- becomes more likely because there's no need to stress because now you have over $30 million
0: free. Well, and and I think we all had a weird feeling when they signed him to this huge contract because they've never done that, right? The even last, even Troy Tulowitzki's contract.
1: Wasn't even that big. It was still, what, seven years, 120 or
0: but, 130. But not eight years, 300, right? Exactly. So we all had a weird feeling that this was something the Rockies weren't 100% sold on. And, and it probably wasn't. And that may be why he added a, an opt-out dealer. They weren't 100% sold on staying long-term with someone, but they wanted to please him. They wanted to please um, the media. They wanted to please the fans. And now they're sitting in a place where they don't feel comfortable with all this money tied up to one player. Yeah. And, then, and that's just the, the management. So it but, becomes more and more realistic to trade him, but at the same time, the timeliness of it, it January is not the month to trade him. There's no urgency and there's no reason. And if you trade them now, you're wrong because you're not getting your best package.
1: Well, if you if you trade them in in the middle of summer, ideally, what are you getting from? What what are you getting out of it? Because because let let's say these top prospects come into the major leagues, they make their major league debuts, they make a big splash, and all of a sudden, boom, you can see their generational type players, and the Braves wouldn't want to trade them. Okay, so a good example of this is is if the Rockies decided to trade Nolan Arenado to the Dodgers. I don't think this is going to happen, but again, they, the, the Dodgers won. They, they Justin Turner has said that he's going to play a different position. He's willing to, to, to switch over to the other side of the infield and, and willing to learn a new position if it means getting another third baseman in Josh Donaldson or Nolan Arenado. Josh Turner came out and said that. right? So the Dodgers are willing to, to trade for Nolan Arenado. One, the pro of this is that the Dodgers have plenty of prospects, and again, it's Los Angeles, so they could eat a large portion of the remaining salary. The con is that the Rockies aren't going to trade with Nolan Arenado within the division, let alone the Dodgers. You know, I said it before, it sounds like a a Babe Ruth curse, where the Boston Red Sox trade Babe Ruth to the New York Yankees basically for for nothing. You know, you trade within the division, you trade a generational player, the, the greatest player of all time, and it's a curse. Right, you trade Nolan Arenado to the Dodgers, and you're never winning again for the next hundred years.
0: Or vice versa, the Dodgers they trade Gavin Lux, and what does he turn into in Colorado with mile-high air, yeah, a so, Coors field like so? That trade just doesn't seem logical.
1: But again, they do have the prospects to send to Colorado, and again, the the Rockies would arguably make the Dodgers overpay and send too and send more prospects than, than the Dodgers would like because the Dodgers have. One, they have a, a solid farm system in which they can afford to send a bunch of their top prospects knowing that they're just going to reload. Because that's how the Dodgers are. They just, they're just they just able to reload just that quick. Um, obviously, Gavin Lux is the number one prospect. Dustin May is the number two prospect. Dustin May is, is the the um, or red-headed Noah Syndergaard type player where he throws, what, 98, 99 on the gun every fastball.
0: Red beard. It's just...
1: He's, in, he's an intimidating presence on the mound.
0: But 98-99 with a fastball in Colorado does not bode well. I don't. But if, if Dustin May is really the, the type of pitcher that can get outs. Do the Rockies believe that? Do the know. Dodgers believe that? Because I think he would have pitched a lot more in October if that was the case. Yeah.
1: I mean, so, so maybe they have trust issues with, with Dustin May and they may not want to pitch him. But then you also want to, if you look at Tony Gonsolin, who made a couple starts for the Dodgers um, late in the season, where he goes 4-2 and two with an ERA b- below 3. You know, He still pitched in 11 games, still pitched 4 innings, and he's their number 6 prospect. Tony Gonsolin is, is a solid pitcher who could eventually be the front end of a rotation. So those are three prospects. you got Gavin Lux, Dustin May, and Tony Gonsolin, a number 1, a number 2, and a number 6. You're getting two pitchers and arguably um, one of the, the, the highest touted Second baseman shortstop combination in all of minor league baseball. And Gavin Lux. So again, I mean, does the does the do the pros outweigh the cons in trading Nolan Arenado to the Dodgers? If it's in July, maybe. You know, another one is Nolan Arenado, Nolan Arenado to the Nationals, and this is one that I, I, I really don't think is going to happen pretty much at all. I know the 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 Nationals are looking for a third baseman, having just lost Anthony Rendon, but the Rockies are going to look for an outfielder in this in this trade. And the only one that I think that the Rockies would be willing to take for Nolan Arnauto is another generational type player, and that's Juan Soto. <laughs> that That's Juan Soto. Rockies wouldn't have to pay much, if any, of of Nolan's salary because they'd be getting Juan Soto and Jackson Rutledge, who's a right-handed pitcher, um, number four prospect from the Nationals. But again, I don't think the Nationals are willing to trade Juan Soto. So I don't really see a, a, Juan, a Nolan Arenado to to the Nationals trade um, ideally happening. I really don't.
0: Yeah, we can just skip that one. They just won a World Series. They don't need to. But
1: but if the if the price is right and the Nationals have a good farm system again behind them and they have a guy that could replace Juan Soto, I don't know if the fan base would. <laughs> you you're telling me the fan base wouldn't couldn't be sold on trading Juan Soto in exchange for a seven-time Gold Glover, three-time. But you're telling me glove.
0: you your best player that just won a World Series with you led your team through the playoffs. And you want to trade him the offseason after? He I don't care couple, who you're trading.
1: He, again, he's a young player who had a lot of rough at-bats in the postseason. Not every at-bat was perfect. He came through when they needed it, but he
0: had a lot of rough at-bats throughout the entire season. I don't care if it's Mike Trout. You don't trade your future. That's not, that trade's not happening. Okay. That let's just right. be flat out. That trade is not happening. So Nolan and just the Rangers. What about this one? So this is probably the most logical one. If you look at it, you have Shin Chu, Sam Huff, who's a catcher, and the second prospect in the Rangers' farm system. Cole Wynn, who is a right-handed pitcher. He was drafted, I think, last year. Um, he's their fourth best prospect. He's from Colorado originally. Uh, Steele Walker, who's an outfielder, he's the 12th overall prospect in the Rangers. Um, the the package of prospects is good, and it's what the Rockies are looking for, catcher, outfielder, pitcher, starting pitcher. Uh, Shin Chu is only in there to match the salaries. Um and and the Rockies would still probably have to pay the remainder of the salary. But the Rangers just built a new ballpark. They're in a very competitive division. They competed last year. Yeah. I mean, they have strong interests, and they would be willing to overcommit. So when I talk about urgency and committing, this is a team that would be willing to do that. But I don't think January is the right time for that.
1: Okay, that's fair. But I think the Rangers are in such win-now mode that they're not willing to wait until July. They're not willing to wait until the trade deadline to make a move for Nolan Arenado. Again, like you said, they're a team that w- that's willing to overcommit, and they're willing to, to, to send more prospects in exchange to get Nolan
0: Arenado right now. And I agree with that, but I think a lot of it has to depend on how all these teams start the season. If the Rockies start out 22-6, and six, are they going to be trading Nolan Arenado then? No. No. Not at all. But if they have another three and twenty start, I think he's on the on the trade block, without a doubt. Yeah. So it just doesn't seem logical now. July may be a little too far out. It may end up being May or June.
1: Okay, so nolan and out to the Chicago White Sox. All right. This this is a really interesting trade as far as as what what you can get back from the Chicago White Sox. Chicago White Sox are obviously in win now mode. Having signed uh, uh, Kaikul and and uh, who's the who's the other guy that I'm thinking of right now?
0: Yeah, Grandal. Yeah,
1: Grandal. They've made they've made some big moves this off season, and the, you know they were, they were a team that was looking to get uh, Manny Machado just a, a, a last winter. So you know they're willing to spend the money. They're willing to to win now, right? And and they really have a lot of prospects that they'd be willing to send over to Colorado. And again, these aren't just prospects that are that that could flop. In Major League Baseball. These are guys that the, the the White Sox pay them before they even make it to Major League Baseball, just like they did to... Wh- who? What prospect was it that they just signed yesterday to, like, a, uh, a six-year, $50 million extension before he even makes his Major League debut? So... Again, the, the, the White Sox have Michael Kopich, who's, a, 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 again, he's a right-handed pitcher, number two prospect. Andrew Vaughn is a first baseman, number three prospect. And Zach Collins is a catcher who could also play first base, and he's their number nine prospect. So, obviously, that's fitting all of the holes that the Rockies need in, in a starting rotation, a, a first baseman for the, for the foreseeable future, and Zach Collins, who can, who can play catcher.
0: A- Andrew Vaughn seems a little far out just because they just used their first-round pick on a first baseman. So to pick up another one would be a little far out. Michael Kopik, it just feels hard that the White Sox would part ways with him since he's been their top prospect all through this rebuilding. Zach Collins makes sense so as a catcher. It That just doesn't seem like a package that would really impress the Rockies unless they are way under 500, last place in the division, and they're trying to dump cap and get rid of Arenado. Yeah. So, yeah, the White Sox are in win now mode. They have good prospects, but... Paying more of the salary for mid-level prospects might not necessarily be the case. Another name that we haven't mentioned yet, the Minnesota Twins are very much in the market for Nolan Arenado. Okay. And the difference with them is I think that they would provide more MLB-ready talent than any other team on this list because the Twins just made the playoffs. They just won their division. And... If you look at their MLB-ready talent, they're young. But if you add a player to the Minnesota Twins' offense, like Nolan Arenado, and you can get one or two of those pitchers, you can get a catcher from their farm system. That is a trade that I think the Rockies would be willing to do. Versus pitching that you don't know is MLB-ready. Yeah, you're you're giving you're giving a lot up in Nolan. For something that you don't know if it's gonna be good or not.
1: Okay, I mean that's fair. It's just the longer you wait, I think the trade value for Nolan Arenado goes down.
0: I, and and that's be- where I disagree because it
1: becomes because it becomes a rental. It becomes a year and a half rental. Because if you're not gonna get Nolan Arenado for the entire twenty twenty season, I mean, then you're saying okay, look, then I'll listen. Then I'll have Nolan Arenado for. July, August, September, October, and then in one more, one more season. Year. So I have him for essentially 12 months of, of actual play.
0: See, I don't know if that necessarily lowers his value of the trade. I think it more eliminates some of the teams. The Twins are going to make a trade for someone that they're going to have for, you know, eight months, right? Versus yeah. like a team like the Dodgers or the even the Braves that are more likely to sign someone like that if he does opt out, would be more willing to make that kind of move. So if the Rangers are fighting with the Angels for that division and, you know, Anthony Rendon has 30 home runs at the All-Star break, like, then maybe they make a trade like that. And they say, we're going to give up a rental. But
1: Okay, that makes sense. So for the fans that have – because I, I heard a little bit of this conversation. I saw it on Facebook. Um, there There's fans that have concern over – Nolan Arenado has an opt out. So let's say the Rockies keep Nolan Aronado. Let let's just say he the Rockies have a good year, um, and the Rockies decide to keep Nolan Aronado and they decide to write out this contract. He still has this opt out in two years after the twenty twenty one season. I I think if if the Rockies can make it to the first opt out and he he decides to stay, he's gonna be a Rocky for life. And let me tell you why. He'll be thirty two years old by the time that um he's he's able to opt out. So yeah. Essentially, he's, he's saying, you know, I have five to six more years of baseball left in me, at least on this contract, and I'm getting paid $30 million, pretty much $30 million every year for the rest of my career, or at least for the next five years. If he decides to opt out that first year, he's 32 years old, is he going to be able to get $150 million when he's 32 years old for the next five to six years
0: of his career guaranteed? No, unless the CBA changes somehow, maybe w- w- the CBA
1: has always, always, always favored younger players. Yep, and they will never, ever, ever favor the older player. They will never favor the veterans. They will always favor the younger, the younger players. And, and so, for Nolan Arenado to to opt out when he's 32 years old would not make a lot of sense for him. He's not going to get a $150 million contract guaranteed for for five or six years the same way the Rockies have, have guaranteed that money to him. He's just not going to get that money.
0: It just feels like they're – and you make a good point. It feels like they're in a place. If they put together a good season, if they're borderline playoffs, I don't know. But if they make the playoffs this year in a loaded NL West, I think that you take a chance that he's gonna either opt in or he'll opt out and resign, because you've done it once before. You've extended him, you've signed him, whatever you want to call it. But if you're in win now mode, if he sees that, I think he stays. Whether or not you you have to sell it to Nolan
1: Arenado that you're gonna win. So and so if you have to part ways with a couple top prospects, if you have to part ways with 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 players like um, like Colton Welker or Ryan Rolison or or, or Ben Bowden, or or Jonathan Daza, you know. You then you you can sell that to Nolan Ronaldo saying, "Hey, we're in win now mode."
0: But but here's the thing: we're talking about the Colorado Rockies, and historically, in their 26, 27 year history, they don't make trades. They don't make big moves. I think yes, that's more
1: Jeff Breitich than anybody else. And
0: is he still the the leader of this franchise?
1: I'll tell you: if he doesn't, if he's five hundred in July, I don't think he is. Or if he's below 500 in July,
0: I don't think he's the GM. I, I find it hard for Dick Montfort to move away. It it just doesn't uh, seem like something he would do, and it doesn't seem like so. If just, anything, I just feel like they're gonna ride it out, be mediocre next year, and maybe he'll walk. I, I don't see.
1: I I don't see Breilich leading this team anymore if the Rockies aren't competitive this year. Um, he's he's made the the least amount of moves as a GM, the least amount of trades as a GM in all of Major League Baseball since he took over the position.
0: But you, you want to know the truth about this all. Is he's made the less moves. He's made the playoffs two out of three years now. And long before that, they had made the playoffs. But what have they done? They've been top ten in attendance, and they've improved revenues at Coors Field. So what else has he done wrong? He's bringing in money to that pocket, into their pockets. He's brought more media attention. Um, yeah. th- they will have a new TV contract soon. Yeah. I, I mean... Think- it just doesn't seem like he's in a horrible spot. Kind of like John Elway has felt. Like, yeah, he had some poor draft picks at the beginning of his career as a GM. But were they going to move away from John Elway if they didn't make the playoffs this year? I don't think anybody thought that, even if the the Broncos didn't finish like they did, four, three and one. Yeah, they were going to move away from John Elway.
1: That's fair, but it was the, the fact of the matter is, is that. Jeff Bridgess told this fan base that we're going to be competing for a World Series in 2019. You make the playoffs back-to-back years, and you say, "Hey, we're now we're ready, ready to take the next step, and we're ready to compete for a World Series title." And then you come out and you absolutely flop, and you miss the playoffs by 25 games. You know that's that's the the difference here is that John Elway and everybody this in this Broncos franchise knew that they weren't making the playoffs this year. They knew they were an eight and eight team at best, and what did they finish? Seven and nine.
0: So, I, I, it's just, they don't seem like they'll make any moves. If Brightage trades Nolan Arenado, it's basically
1: a, a almost a, a revolt where fans run Jeff Breidich out of town. Never shows his face in Denver River again. Too afraid to. Should he trade Nolan Arenado? No. Is it smart for Jeff Breidich to at least pick up the phone when it rings? He'd be dumb not to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where the 50-50 comes from. I don't think they'll trade them this offseason. It'll be a mind-blower if they trade them by the trade deadline, if they're good. But at, at, if the truth is, is now the Rockies are the worst team in Colorado. And I don't know how they feel about that. Yeah. Because, I mean, they've been competing with the Broncos for so long. I mean, remember, they went through the period of time where they were playing for an NLS title and people were more interested in... Case Keenum, you know <laughs> what I mean, like. Yeah. So um, maybe they want to make an impact, but you know, if if you're a Colorado sports fan, you have to look at it as, yeah, the Rockies aren't good, but th- there's three months that we can focus on what's good, and that's the AVS, and that's the Nuggets.
1: Yeah, hundred percent.
0: So um, as we move move from away from a little bit of Rockies baseball and into the AVS. It's January 3rd, and the Avalanche are battling for a Stanley Cup. I mean, if you look at what they've done in the last 10, I mean, they're 23-14-4 and four overall this year. They're 4-5-1 in the last 10, and I think four out of those five losses came in a row at home, and they were late losses. They were bad yeah. losses. Yeah. And you just have to look at this team and be like, uh, the two years passed, right? They've started hot, and then they've cooled off, and then they got hot again when it mattered. And this year they stayed hot for a while, and now they're starting to cool off. And then I think they got their statement win of 2020 last night against St. Louis. So uh, now, f-
1: th- that goal by Kale McCarr in the second period, you texted me. I-, I watched it as it as it was happening. Yeah. And and you you texted me almost immediately after it happened. You said Kale McCarr just saved the Avalanche season right there.
0: Well, and I thought like if they had blown a three, well it was three nothing at the time. If they had blown a three nothing lead to the at home ice in the second period for the fourth night in a row, they would have to make some changes. And yep. it, it still keeps coming back into my mind like should they have made a move for T- Taylor Hall now? Like if you look at it, they didn't trade for him because they thought they had the depth, and so. They let it go, and now we're sitting. They are finally almost 100% healthy, minus Colin Wilson. And you're you're like, what? They keep doing all these different moves. Rantanen's on the third line now. Yeah. Um, McKinnon's being double shifted, and the truth is, is they're still second in the Central, behind the Blues. They're second in the West. Uh, two points are they're actually tied with Vegas now for with 52 points. Uh, but they hold the tiebreaker since they beat Vegas twice. They're sixth in the NHL overall, third-in-point differential behind Boston and Pittsburgh, who are both really good. They have the fourth-best road record in the NHL. If there's anything you have to worry about, is that they're not playing good at Pepsi Center. But is that yeah. something to worry about? Because teams always figure that out down the stretch. You win in games that matter down the stretch. At home. Games against Carolina in December, uh, Carolina and Chicago and Winnipeg, like... You want to win those you games. Were, you you want to win those games, but those were... You'd beat Winnipeg four out of five of the last few games. You don't do that in the NHL unless you're playing in Boston.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So four, five, and one in the last ten really worries you, but they picked up their 24th win of the season. Uh, it matches the six most points and third most wins at the midway point of the season, so 41 games in. That's pretty good to, to put in line. And McCarr, uh, he has 31 points to the second most by a first-year blue liner since the team moved to Denver. Um that's too shy of John Michael Lyles, who is not surprised if his jersey gets hung up real soon. Um he had thirty-four in the O three oh four season. Uh McCarrie's the first defenseman to record his first thirty career regular season points in thirty three games or fewer since Detroit's Nicholas Lindstrom in ninety one ninety two. And he is more than likely a Hall of Famer if he isn't already. I'm not quite sure, but he's one of the best defensemen to ever play. And, and here's the thing, and this is why I say they're sealing in their, their floors the Stanley Cup and they need to win. It. Like, they're, if there's windows, if we're bringing John Nightway back in talking about windows, their window is open now and it's quickly closing.
1: Imagine the Avs winning the Stanley Cup and Nathan McKinnon winning the Hart Trophy. We'll
0: get into that because the truth is, is the Avs are having multiple players have career years, right? Yeah. And, and you always hear in sports that you have to win when your players are having career years if you look at any time that teams have gone deep into the postseason into the stanley cup into the nba finals their players were having career years i mean if you look at pascal siakam and yep. mark gasol not necessarily a career year but a good year um seven Fred, when he Fred goes off with 400 League. threes in, a, in
1: one single season right and they those, go on to win the those NBA are career
0: years you never know if that's going to happen again you never know if Jonas Donskoy is going to tally 14 goals in a season. Exactly. Nazem Kadri, uh, Andre Burakovsky, all these names that are putting up career highs in all these different categories. I mean, without a doubt, if you ask anybody in the NHL right now, the best third and fourth lines in the NHL are in Colorado. Yep. And, and that's a real show of their depth. I mean, Jonas Donskoy has 14 goals. It's equal to his career high he's reached in each of the last two seasons in San Jose. Um Nazem Kadri has two straight multi-point games and has four points in his last two outings. He has three multi- multi-goal performances this season, and he's tied with Nathan McKinnon, Burakovsky, and Matt Calvert for that. Um, Matt Calvert has been a real saver for the for the ass. But it, it, if you listen to what McKinnon said last night, is something just felt different tonight. Like when they tied it up or made it 3-2 or whatever it was, there was no panning. Uh, I think Kale was a big goal with 10 seconds left in the second. That kind of iced it. I think that's what we found. We needed some maturity from everybody, and we had that tonight. And so I think this is a really step up. If you look at what on the Blues side, I mean, the Blues had the, – the Avs hadn't beaten the Blues since 2018, game 82. Yep. And so they really were in need of a win. And we talked about streaks against Winnipeg. This was a streak that wasn't going to last forever either. But uh, the, the defense in uh, Alex Petrangelo from – The Blues, he said, I think when we play this team, we usually play them well. When we play them really tight, I just think we gave them too many chances. A team that skilled, you give them chances, breakaways, two-on-ones, three-on-twos. They're going to find a way to score. We just gave them too many, and that's the truth. We continue on the career years. I mean, Ryan Graves is leading the team in plus-minus. He's at plus-27, which is one of the tops in the NHL. Uh, Philip Grubauer and Pavel François have 11 wins um, François, .927, save percentage is six bets in the NHL, um, which is better than the Stars' Ben Bishop and the Bruins' Tuka Rask, who are both the best goalies in, in the all NHL. Hockey. So uh, they've they figured a lot of things out. There's still a lot of things they need to figure out, but it's good that it's happening in January when they're ahead. And so the the West is tight. That's the truth. And there's if you go on another – Five game losing streak, you may you, not you, be you, in the playoff picture.
1: You may find yourself at the bottom uh, uh, of the playoff picture, just like last year, where they got off to such a hot start and then they end up barely getting into an eight spot in the playoffs. Fortunately, it worked out to where where um, the ABS were able to beat Calgary and able to get a couple big wins um, on on home ice and, and and beat Nashville. So it just comes out to to really, it really comes down to you have to play well right now. When all these games matter, and don't put yourself in that situation where you were last year, where you go on a a stretch of losing for almost an entire month. You really have to avoid that.
0: It'll be really interesting to see what Joe Sackick does come the trade deadline, because there's not really many holes. I mean, you could look for a a fourth or a fifth score uh, for a second line, you know, look for another wing to pair with maybe a Rantanen or a Landis Collins on a second line, but what does Jared Bednar need at this point? They just need to figure their stuff out. Making your trade, yes, I mean, you're not gonna have a great first round pick this year. You got you you lucked out last year when you had Ottawa's pick. But it just they don't seem like they're ready to mortgage the future. I mean, you have Martin Cott, I think I said that right. He's in the AHL with the Eagles right now. He was their first round pick last year. You have Shane Bowers, who was the first round pick of the Senators who came over in the in the Duchenne trade, um, who's in the AHL. I mean, you look at T J Cotton, I probably said that wrong, but like they're deep. Yeah. T J Titan, sorry. Um, and Pat Connaughton, and like they're they have players that can come up and so they could make a trade to pick up somebody that they may need. But who's out there that they really could possibly use? It would just be so interesting right now if they had Jack Hughes on the team. Like, it just. I think at the end of the
1: day, it doesn't matter what the Avs do at the trade deadline because, again, just like you said, they're a they're a stacked team and, and with a ton of depth, and there's no, really no need to go out and get somebody. There's, think... there's no need. You can ride it out with what you got. McKinnon is having a career year. He's, he's my favorite for the Hart Trophy. Maybe I'm a little hometown biased. Yeah, you're
0: going to have to get past Connor Mede- David. He's pretty good. And Brad Markand? Marshawn.
1: Marshawn? Okay. <laughs> Kinda, <I just laughs> Brad really...
0: Marshawn won't win it. That, that's not going to happen. I, I think it'll, it's between Connor McDavid and then you can even say Jack Eichel in Buffalo. Those three are probably the frontrunners right now. I mean, statistically, Connor McDavid leaves almost every category. Mc... The only thing you can say is that his team isn't as good.
1: McKinnon was second in, um, in a Hart Trophy Award last year. And just like I think what we said uh, in different sports, I guess I don't necessarily know if it applies to hockey as much, but the the teams that win are the teams that have the MVP.
0: Right. And I don't think it necessarily does apply to hockey as much, but the thing that I sat there and thought about. David has a
1: point and a half per game, averages.
0: Yeah. So. The thing that I sat there and thought about was Ryan O'Reilly, who is almost clearly the best player in St. Louis right now, he was once an avalanche. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, could you imagine if you had the best offensive defenseman in all of hockey on this team on a second or a third line? That that's just crazy to think about it. So uh, they've it. This is a franchise that doesn't go long without winning, and their ceiling is open, their window is open, and it could could close next year. So yeah. I mean, yes, Kale's going to be good for a while. McKinnon's going to be good for a while. Rantanen needs to get healthy, and then he'll be good for a while. If there's one move that they have to make, they need to find a defensive defenseman. I okay. mean, Sam Girard has been all over the place. Not a defensive defenseman to start with, but, I mean, he had bad penalties last night, but he also had an assist. So... You take the good with the bad. You take the good with the bad, but if they can add a defensive defenseman... Like an Eric Johnson, who's not necessarily a defensive defenseman, another Nikita Zadorov, then they're in a better spot. But that would be a stretch if they even need to make a move. I don't. I don't know if they necessarily have to make a move. There's no need to. There's no pressure.
1: There's no pressure
0: yet. Uh, the only yet. pressure— uh, The truth is, is the only pressure that they have is the team that plays on the nights that they're not there. And that's the Denver Nuggets. And because the Nuggets. I found a recipe for success and that's in Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, did you watch last night's game? I did not watch it, but I remember pulling it up and seeing Michael Porter Jr led the team with I think 25 points. Yeah. But let me let me just tell you this.
1: Michael Porter Jr over the last 4 games averaging 19 minutes, 15 and a half points, he is 26 of 36 shooting and he's 7 of 14 from 3. 50% from 3. Well, and I'll take that.
0: He shot 11 for 12 last night.
1: I'll tell you um Michael Porter Jr. is is resembling Kevin Durant more and more and more as he gets playing time, more and more and more as he gets playing time, and and last night I saw I saw all of these tweets on my timeline from from, from people that I know that were just talking about you know why couldn't Michael Porter Jr. play these kinds of minutes minutes to start the season? It's it, it's not that easy. Yeah. You know it is not that Michael Porter Jr. cannot just come into the in, into the season start as a starter and play 19 20 minutes a game. And expect all this offensive production from it, you know? Um Again, I don't, I don't want to call anybody out because I, I just saw so many tweets and, yeah. and, and so many messages that I that I got from, I guess, three people texting me why Michael Porter Jr. is barely getting playing time and, and how they think, oh, Michael, Michael Porter Jr. could have been an all-star this year if, if Coach Malone just played him more. No, you're wrong.
0: He wouldn't have you put could've. together. I don't think he would have had the performance that he's had so far if it wasn't. And it, if it wasn't for Michael Malone. If the Nuggets weren't in the position that they were, fighting for an NBA title, fighting for a number one seed in the West. Then he would. Then he may have played more, and he may have been an all-star in a week year. But that's not what they need, and that's what they're not going to do. They're he- going to play him so that he's the best fit for this team. And right now, that is a stretch three, stretch four. Yep. Coming off the bench, starting occasionally. Maybe not playing as much as... You know A defender come Playoff time When you need someone To guard James Harden And and that's what we saw Right When he When they played Against Sacramento If I'm not mistaken He started that game Yep Be- And he performed well Yep And then on the flip side He didn't start Or play many minutes Against Houston Which is probably Because of The offensive firepower Of Houston But they still gave up 130 points against Houston I'll
1: tell you It's It's Basketball is the game of matchups, all right. It's, that's why Coach Malone has the fl- the flexibility to start so many different players, and that's what, that's why you see Torrey Craig get a start one night, and then you see Michael Porter Jr. get to start the next night. It's it's because of matchups. It's because of what do, what is the opposing team gonna gonna bring out? If the opposing team, like the Rockets, for example, have all this firepower and, and Russell Westbrook and and James Harden, you know, then obviously you need to play defensive, and you need to be able to defend those guys. So you see a guy like Torrey Craig getting a lot of minutes against James Harden. You know, but you go up against Sacramento, or you go up against Indiana, and where they don't have a dominant scorer or, or, or somebody that can shut the game out, then that's where you you say, okay, Michael Porter Jr., get the ball and go ahead and ball out, man. This is your chance. You know, absolutely. But for, but for everybody to say that Michael Porter Jr. needed these minutes from the beginning of the no. season, you're wrong. Absolutely. You, but being brought along slowly has value, I believe. I mean, I want to go back to um to a few years ago where Emmanuel Mudiay. We all remember him where he, he comes in as a rookie drafted what seventh with the seventh overall pick and he, he, he struggles immediately and struggles with turnovers. He struggles seeing the court. He struggles scoring. He never became a true scorer. He never became a true point guard. And it's because the the, the Nuggets arguably rushed him. You know, Michael Porter Jr. needed this this anti-Mudier approach and they needed Michael Porter Jr. to let him take his time. You know, and, and plus... To kind of top it all off, I think had Michael Malone given Michael Porter Jr. these these minutes, it takes away from the entire culture that Michael yeah. Malone has created. Yeah. It takes away from the entire culture. You know, guys have to earn their keep and guys have to earn their way into the starting lineup. Nikola Jokic had to, he had to fight Yusuf Nurkic for, for for minutes.
0: For it, a spot on the yeah, team. For a spot
1: on the team. Exactly. And so for for if if Malone had just came in and said Hey, hey, MPJ, go ahead and start. You'll get 25 minutes of playing time every single night. Uh, this team is yours. Go ahead and take it. It would have undermined everything that Malone has built in Denver. Murray had to earn his minutes. Because there was a time when Murray was, yeah, he was starting, but he was only playing 20, 15 minutes a game. You know, he was only scoring 15, 16 points a game.
0: Yeah, I mean, you just like two years back, Jamal Murray and Emmanuel Mudiay were fighting for time. Exactly, exactly. It's a culture that Michael Malone has built, and it's a culture of winning. And um, I support, and there was many times we were like, we need to see Michael Porter Jr. more. Yes. And I think that yes. was no bigger than after they lost to Los Angeles, the Lakers. And yep. you saw that how lengthy the Lakers are and how difficult they are to guard. And they need something to do that. I, I heard today that Michael Porter Jr., his floor is his – Upside is somewhere between the floor of Danilo Gallinari and Kevin Durant, and if if you look at it, he's probably a better shooter than Danilo was, um, but defensively he's not as good as Kevin Durant, I mean he's not seven one. That helps Kevin yeah. a lot. I, th- it, it, the comparisons are a little unfair to Kevin Durant. Yeah, but Ke- Kevin Durant is arguably
1: he one. He's taller, just like you said. He's seven one. Uh, Michael Porter Jr comes in at 6'11 I believe and and really I think Kevin Durant has the the longer range and the the, the better jump shot but Michael Port, if Michael Porter Jr is a poor man's Kevin Durant I'll take that.
0: I mean just just look at Colorado Sports. like you have the three-headed monster of Kale McCar, Michael Porter Jr and Drew Locke. Yeah. That's a pretty dang good core of young players that it could be in Denver a, for a, a long, long time. time. And when is the last time we've had anything? I mean, we sat here in February, episode one, episode five, whatever it might have been, and sat here saying, we are in the golden age of Denver sports right now, right? We have the Nuggets and the Habs. We've never seen them go this far, the playoffs at the same time. Yeah. And now we have a third team They may or may not, depending on how they draft how they perform this offseason, they may or may not be competing for uh, AFC West. Yeah, and I I honestly
1: feel bad for every single – Denver sports fan that doesn't live in Colorado because you don't get to experience the yeah. atmosphere of Denver during this this golden era uh, uh, of Colorado sports, where you know just like you said, where we have the the Rockies with, with one of the greatest third basemen in all of baseball and, and all the greatest Rocky in all of all time, essentially in Nolan Arenado. You got yeah. Drew Locke, you got Cale McCarr, and you got Michael Porter Jr. who Not including
0: all- Nikola Jokic is going to be an all-star. Exactly, Jamal Murray who could drop thirty any night. Yeah, so I- you. The, Jeremy this, Grant could jump out of the gym. This is honestly a golden
1: age of Denver sports, and I feel bad for every Denver sports fan that isn't in Colorado for
0: the next five to six years.
1: Because if you're not here, you're missing out on everything in this Denver
0: atmosphere. But, and you know what we haven't mentioned yet is the Buffaloes just knocked off number four Oregon. at home. Oregon's never won in CU yeah, in they, Boulder. They can't win in Boulder, sense. man. They can't. Um but that's another ranked win for the Buffaloes. They'll be ranked after this. Are they the best team in the Pac-12 now? They should be ranked, at least in the top 25. Oh, well, absolutely, and I, I don't think that's a question, and I don't know how I much mean, this no- will affect Oregon's, but... I bet Oregon falls to about 15, I would say. I mean, this has been the year of, if you're in the ranked in the top five, you don't want that because you're going to lose. It's yeah. just been that kind of year. But if there's a year that the Buffaloes could make something happen in March... It's gonna be this year. I mean, this win almost solidified, unless they collapse, that they're gonna be playing in in the tournament. Yeah. Right. They they've almost earned a bid, unless they have to win the the Pac-12 tournament. Which why why can't they win a Pac-12 yeah. tournament? They 100%. have the most experience. They have some of the most talented um, forwards in, in all of college basketball. The,
1: the Buffs were honestly a sleeper team in last year's Pac-12 tournament, and this year they have a real chance to to make some noise.
0: Well, and if you look at their team, they have. Not necessarily extreme skill that you see at Duke in North Carolina. They have grit. If McKinley Wright is a dude, and we we <laughs> talk, we said that like he is a dude. Like he got dudes beat up. Dudes. He got beat up like forty times yesterday. It was a yeah. physical game, and he yeah. was right back up there. I mean, um, Swartz he, he's a knockout shooter off the on the sidelines for CU. He can end a run when they need it. Tyler Bay, like he's one of the most athletic defenders you've seen. If you're the Nuggets, like if you can steal Tyler Bay at 29 or in yeah. the second round or undrafted for that matter, that is a versatile defender.
1: Yeah, it, and it's a it's a CU Buffs team that beat Dayton and the and or beat Dayton on the road on the road, and then you're able to beat Oregon in Boulder. So it, it's really a CU Buffs team that can compete and be competitive all season long
0: the the one thing and the one player we didn't mention Evan Batty, is dang good too. If yeah. he can stay out of foul trouble, he's like the poor man's Nikola Jokic. But it, it it just seems like I so many times we've been burned by the University of Colorado having strong starts to a year and then just kind of falling off. Yeah. So, we'll have to see how they f- finish through pack. If I mean if they go out and lose to Oregon State, then there's something going yeah. on, but yeah. They have Washington that's really good. Um, USC and UCLA aren't very good, but they're always competitive. You're gonna have to go on the road and beat some good teams.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, you you got Oregon State and Utah coming to town, but then you got to go to Arizona State and Arizona, and Arizona's a top 25 team this year. Yeah. You know, but then but then you have teams like Washington State and Washington who come to Colorado to play, and and. Again, then you got to travel to California where you got to play against UCLA and Which USC. Which
0: is a tough place to play.
1: Both of those places are really tough to play. And then obviously you, you got to go to Oregon and you still got to beat them eventually. You also got to go to Oregon State and you still got to beat them. You know, so you really you, you still got a lot of cu- tough games against California and Stanford and Utah who who the, the Buffs really have to show out against. You have to make some noise, you know? You got to win your home games and you got to go out and, w- and win 50% on the road.
0: Absolutely. Um We'll talk about the Broncos on next episode, but what did you learn today? I learned that
1: this is the golden age for Denver sports. You really have a lot of young players that are coming in yet You, that are going to make an impa- impact for the next five to six years, and it's going to be great to be a Denver sports fan with, watching Michael Porter Jr., Cale McCarr, Drew Locke, and
0: and even if you want to throw uh, David Dahl in that mix. Yeah, David Dahl. I mean, Brendan Rodgers could be that name if he makes it the spring training roster. Yeah, 100%. Um we say 2020 may be the golden year, but this may be the golden decade for Denver sports because these are young, good talent. We talk about Kale McCarr and how good he was. He was a fourth overall pick, or maybe even seventh.
1: Yeah.
0: The the As took Bowen Byram, and he hasn't even played a second of professional hockey. Yeah,
1: he has. He's gotten zero ice t- ice time of professional hockey. So I'll be stoked to see that guy.
0: Stokes. In, in April again, right? They're yeah. going to call him up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's not a homie Baker winner. That's the truth. What would you learn today? It's going to be the golden decade. Hey, I, I learned that the Rockies are, I mean, we've looked at this Nolan Arenado trade every day for however long now, and you're always like, nah, nah, it's not going to happen. But it's realistic that it could possibly happen, and it may be better off for the Rockies now that we sit here and break it down yeah but that's not going to happen in January. It's not going to happen this off season and yes, the opt out really makes the urgency much higher for the Rockies, yeah but vice versa for other teams that are trying to make that run so yeah i I, I think that the Nolan Arenado 50 50 makes a lot more sense, but that is a very wide 50 50 that goes all the way into the trade deadline.
1: To sum up this podcast, we talked about Nolan Arenado getting traded, the Avalanche's ceiling is a Stanley Cup, and the Nuggets found the recipe to success. Great podcast today. This was episode 50. Can you believe it? man. 0 man. Um, if we made some takes today. If you didn't like our takes, you can email us, Game7Show at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Game7Show. YouTube where we post the full-length uh, video clips of this podcast. Uh, that is Game7Show. We're going to be tweeting a lot at underscore game seven you can follow will at will underscore salad and you can follow myself at isaac underscore Bugarin. again this is brought to you by met radio met radio is the student voice of msu denver stoked this was episode 50 can't believe we're already 50 episodes in it'll we'll be coming up on our one year anniversary in february so we got playoff football coming up um we have a podcast coming out next week oh yeah nice let's talk some playoff football
0: playoff football Broncos off season. let us know if you have anything else we want to talk about we'll probably have to talk about the Nuggets falling off the ass falling off because that's what it seems like and we're also gonna talk about how Nolan Arenado was traded to the Dodgers Braves. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we got a lot to talk about on the next podcast we're, we're excited for this weekend it's gonna be a great weekend of sports I'm really excited and uh, let's make 2020 a great year what do you say heck yeah and if uh, you're looking for a pet as always we want to remind you to go to the shelter first
0: so you.